You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international, covering down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is Tuesday afternoon, 2.06 p.m. Boomer's on the board. Hey, buddy. Hey. How are you? I'm good. Another pretty day. It's beautiful. Yes. And I just, I know y'all can't see it, but we have a window right here. And it's nice Here. to have, see outside. Here, just so they can see it. Oh, yeah, there but we go. So just, now, you, now you can now, see it. Now you can see the view oh, of the golf course outside. Oh, yeah. There it is. Now I've messed up the camera, so I'll go ahead and turn <laughs> that back around. Am I back on? Am I good? You're good. good. You're enough? good. All yeah, right. that's great. Um, hey, hey, but, but I'll tell you what else is freaky, though, Boom. I mean, it's it's um, this is February, right? Right. It is February 6th, and I am wearing a short sleeve shirt. Short sleeve shirt. What's up? <laughs> what is up with that? I can't. It's just... <laughs> I know there's a lot of people out there that are like, yes. I mean, I am. But it's I Alabama, enjoy it. so if you don't like the weather, wait 10 minutes. It, it might change. It'll change on you. I'm saying. <laughs> All right, we got a whole lot of show for you, a whole lot. Uh, listen, uh, at 3 p.m. today, you're going to want to stay tuned because uh, one of our much-vaunted uh, state district attorneys is going to be in the studio with us, uh, Jody Willoughby, district attorney for Etowah County, Alabama. I called him about all this prison release stuff going on. I'm not sure if you caught wind of this, but there's a mass release of prisoners, according to legislation passed a couple of years ago uh, in the legislature, that that has not gone very well, to be honest. And uh, we're going to talk with him about that at 3 o'clock. He'll be live in studio. And then the Triple Dipper is full of stuff, so Boomer, hit it. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper, three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. So, uh, number one, early release. That's it. We're going to be talking about this. How about the fact that there are any number of violent criminals who are near the end of their sentence, admittedly, but then they're being let go early, and the problems have been that they've not been notifying the victims of the crimes that these guys are getting out early. Hundreds of them. Hundreds. So we're going to talk about that, get your perspective on how you feel, and talk to District Attorney Jody Willoughby about that as well. So early release, number one on the Triple Dipper. Number two, got to do it. Every once in a while, just got to, got to do it. And Boomer, we may have to reach out and try to find a video clip that I saw earlier that I didn't have in the resources for today. But but uh, adventures in woke world. When you have a full buffet of wokeness, when you have a, a cornucopia, a plethora, if you will, of wokeness, then, yeah, once again, it's time for Adventures in Woke World. So I'll tell you some stories that'll curl your hair, some will make you throw things at the radio, roll your eyes, whatever the case may be. It's all woke. Adventures in Woke World, number two on the Triple Dipper. And then number three, well, you know we got to cover it because the State of the Union's coming tonight. Balloon magic. That's number three. Balloon magic. Have you heard the latest term? Apparently, we are now told that there was an awareness gap at the Pentagon's early warning systems. What does that mean? It means we didn't see it. Awareness gap. Anyway, balloon magic, we're going to talk about that, number three on the Triple Dipper. So let me, let me move over now to my comments, and, and I'll, I'll preface the rest of what I'm going to say by, by telling you that uh, in, in Baghdad, I was attached to an infantry battalion on a small fob in some of the worst parts of the city. 
We got mortared all the time. Every time you walked out the gate, you had to be in full battle rattle. And I remember one time walking into the battalion talk, and the battalion commander was just finishing up the administration of non-judicial punishment against a young E-4. He was basically busting him down a rank to private first class and giving him an Article 15. So what was his offense? He fell asleep on guard duty in one of the perimeter towers. Sitting right there in enemy territory, he got sleepy. He just let himself go to relax to the point of sleeping through his shift. And it really struck me and, and everyone else for that matter. The staying awake and alert is the foremost. In the boiling water. You know the storyline. A frog is placed into a pot of water. He swims around contentedly, never realizing that someone has now turned on the heat. And the water is slowly moving toward a full boil. The frog, without knowing any better, never takes its mind off its own contentedness. It just swims along. And before it realizes the danger it's in, it's too late. The water boils. The frog is cooked. Well, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, our society is swimming along right now like a bunch of frogs in a pot. Charlene and I were talking this morning, and she adamantly said, you've got to keep reminding your folks to not let themselves get numb to what's going on in our country right now. And she's absolutely right. And she usually is. We cannot allow ourselves, our neighbors, our friends and family to become numb to the shifts that are being foisted upon us in culture. And it's everywhere, in every corner of society, at every turn. So, like, we can have satanic ceremonies celebrated as culture on the Grammys, and churches say nothing because it's art. We can have whole hospitals given over to the notion of transgender surgeries and treatments on minors to forever alter their appearance, and it is celebrated as awareness. We can have our border ransacked by illegal immigration, numbering in the millions, and it is fated as openness. We can have failing schools teaching failed concepts like critical race theory, and it's called an awakening to truth. We can have blind spending sprees out of Washington that drive our debt into astronomical figures, and we're told that it's inflation reduction. All of that is happening and more right now. But here's the thing that Charlene also says. There are more of us than there are of them. And I believe that's true. There are more of us than there are of them. I believe that the vast majority of America is still desirous of traditional values and conservative principles. But what good is it to have an army that outnumbers its enemies if that army is asleep when the enemy comes marching? You can't be asleep in the guard tower. You can't. We have to stay awake. We have to stay alert. We have to stay alive. I'm referring to what is often known as situational awareness. You know, where am I? What are my options? What are others doing around me? How do I react if something goes wrong? Keeping your head on a swivel. Situational awareness. And situational awareness, though, has to be coupled with a keen mental state and further combined with a willingness to act. Basically, if this happens, then I will do that. You know, head on a swivel with a plan. Even the Bible is full of examples of admonitions that we should remain alert and aware. Here's one for you. Quote, be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Let all that you do be done in love. That's 1 Corinthians 16, 13. We have it hanging on the wall here in the studio. That's a no-fooling call to literally be prepared, be ready, man up. And you can do so respectfully and professionally, but you got to do so nonetheless. It reminds me of Marine Corps General Jim Mattis. who used to tell his Marines in Baghdad, be polite, be professional, and have a plan to kill everyone you meet. On the wall right behind me now in the right side studio, I've pointed it out before. It's a small handmade sign up on the upper shelf behind me. I had it on my team, my team room in Baghdad. It says, quote, win friends, kill enemies. Are these contradictory statements that I've just espoused to you? Are these sentiments really dichotomies? 
or can they go together? Well, my belief is you can be truly alert, truly aware. You can be truly ready to take a stand. And you can do so without sacrificing your faith or your beliefs or your principles or your professionalism or your good name. In fact, we must. Like some of David's mighty men in First Chronicles 12, they were called the sons of Issachar. They were said to be men who understood their times and what Israel should do. That's a clear indication to me that there is a need to be aware, alert, ready to watch the times in the world around you and to consider what your part in it is. I got to tell you, as an attorney, when I go to trial, I'm going to avidly pursue my client's best interest. I prepare their positions, their evidence, their legal standing and precedent. I've prepped my witnesses. I've thought through my presentation. But as an attorney, I would be remiss if I was not also aware of what my opposition's plan is. What is their argument? What is their response? How do I counter their evidence? You see, being aware is not about just knowing how you feel about something or someone. Being aware means you are seeing clearly and you are aware not only of your own position, but you're also seeking to know the movements, the positions, the capabilities of your opposition. You see, that's full situational awareness then. And I believe that we are entering into unprecedented times. More than ever, it's going to be necessary for good men and women of principle to be fully and completely situationally aware of their surroundings, of their times, of the actions of their opposition, with the knowledge of what they should do. You may have to speak up, y'all. You may. You may have to know your own position well enough to add some clarity to the situations around you. You may indeed have to address concerns that you shouldn't have to address. But if you don't, they just get worse. But the last thing we need to be doing right now is turning a blind eye or putting our heads in the sand or just sitting there swimming idly in the pot while the heat turns up. My friends, we have to be aware of our times and what should be done. We must, in fact, keep our heads on a swivel and our powder dry. And it seems more and more that's where we are. We can live as sheep or sheepdogs. This past week, we found out that an unmanned aerial surveillance platform from China was allowed to just sail slowly over multiple sensitive military installations and traverse the entire breadth of the United States from the Pacific to the Atlantic. And this morning, the former commander of NORAD stated in his own words that we have now identified a domain awareness gap. Well, all that means in layman's terms is they didn't realize that they weren't seeing something important. The frog was being boiled. And it would seem that much of society falls into that category on any number of issues. So y'all, we have to stay alert. We cannot become numb. And so I'm, I'm being watchful. I'm making a conscious effort to enjoy life, to laugh, to love, but also to fight. I refuse to sit idly in my pot and just get slow boiled. And we would all do well to heed the lovely Charlene's advice that we cannot allow ourselves to get numb to it all. We cannot become frogs in a pot. And that's a wrap for the right side way. Well, there you have it. That gun my wife gives good advice. Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, the, the truth is this. Society is going to keep going with whims and winds of, of change unless good people say something. And I'm not talking about the fact that there's not a time for a place for things to be different than what they used to be. What I am saying, though, is when you know it's wrong, it's just wrong. You don't let little boys be told that they're girls. You don't, you don't sit around idly while schools teach critical race theory. You don't let yourself be taxed into oblivion. And oh, by the way, you just don't say nothing when bad things are happening to your neighbors. We cannot become frogs in a pot. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. Saving the world one soundbite at a time. Sitting here in February wearing a short sleeve shirt. What in the world? Um, I tell you what, though, man, I'm looking up at the news, and I, this is a total aside, but I can't complain about weather when I'm looking at the earthquake in Turkey and oh. Syria. 7,200-plus dead. I know. That's unreal. Have you seen the videos of the of buildings coming down? While oh, I saw one streets? of them, and it was just... It's just unreal. Unreal. And yeah. then, I mean, even yesterday when we were watching a little bit during the show, it was only the death toll was like at 3,000, I believe. 2,800 or 3,000. I thought it was less than that, but yeah, yeah it just, it's, just, oh. it's, it's grown exponentially. I guess they're just beginning to really get through the rumble and find people. Man. But, um, but yeah, it's horrible. 7,200 confirmed dead with more expected. Um, mm. This is a, by the way, this is a 7.8 on the scale. So just go ahead and round that to an eight. That's eight out of 10. I mean, that's, that's oh. about as strong an earthquake as we've had anywhere in the world in quite a while. And, um, you know they don't they don't they don't build over there like we build here. Right. Um, the codes and certifications are not the same, and so you got to know there's some unstable buildings still standing that are now unstable. Um, so more to come on Turkey. That's uh, pray but, for them. Yep, I heard somebody say earlier Turkey's going to be a little bit off the world stage for a while. Um, so yeah, wow. Mm. Um, well, I got a lot of great responses on the text line. From oh yeah, the, what you got? Oh, I mean just. I mean, they're still come. They're piling in right now, just of uh, words of wisdom. Thank you so much for your service. I mean, that just everything from uh, thanking Charlene, the lovely Charlene. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> for her words of wisdom as well. Uh, she just texted me and said that was good. And it wasn't because it was my words. <laughs> um, but I, anyway, uh, Brian from Huntsville. I did see his text just now. He said uh, when I mentioned the words awareness gap, right? He says awareness gap. That's just the sequence between when Joe Biden gets briefed and when he starts his speech. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Um, but he also quoted the verse. You know, I quoted several passages in in mine. Uh, my monologue, he says, First Thessalonians 5, 21, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Mm. Um, that's, that's, that's very cool. Uh, Dwight from Decatur was telling me where he was in Baghdad. Appreciate you, Dwight. Thanks for your service, man. Um, Richard from Madison, great words of wisdom. That's the one you're talking about, Boomer, I guess? Yes. Great words of wisdom. He says, problem is that many people who care and agree do not know what they can do. There's a sense that our government is too far gone to be healed. And that, Richard, I'll be honest with you, man. Let me let me just take that and run with it for a second. So I hadn't planned on having this segue, uh, but I will. I'll take I'll chase that rabbit. Um, do something. Do do, and I don't want to say just do anything, but in a sense, I'm saying do anything. And 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 so yeah, uh, Richard, I agree. I think on the one hand, things feel big, like you don't like the the the, the role of government. You don't like what you're seeing in culture. You don't like this thing. You may not be able to change everything. Just change the one next to you. Mm. And so that's why I'm telling folks all the time, your role is not to change everything. Your role is to change what you can around you for the better. And, and, and that, you know, if you, if you are literally walking in today's world as a conservative, as a Christian, then you're not in the minority, regardless of how it looks on the news. You're not in the minority, but you may feel that way. And so you find a like-minded person next to you, and the two of you decide to go to a school board meeting. You may not even have kids in that school system, but you decide to go sit at the school board meeting and just watch how it goes. And then one day you realize you just don't like the way they talk at that school board meeting. And then a third party you talk to decides to run for that position, and y'all support them. And next thing you know, you put somebody new in there. 
That's how it works. That's how grassroots works is somebody gets tired of something and they decide to do something about it. And you know what? They're not always successful the first time. Sometimes it takes two or three times before it happens. Some of the best legislation I saw in Montgomery when I was in the state Senate took several years to pass. Of course, I saw some of the worst ones get passed after several years, too. But all I'm saying is this. There is the opportunity for you to do something. And so, Richard, uh, while I appreciate your position, man, I just want to encourage you and others who are listening right now, recognize that it's not about changing everything yourself. It's about being a part of changing something around you. And that's how revival starts. That's how movements start. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't start because, you know, one person cured it all and everybody else sat back and watched. <laughs> they start because one person did something yep. and it spread. And that's, that's exactly how, that's how revolution starts. That's how revival starts. That's how movement starts. So, yeah. Wow, that was a, a daggum soapbox. That was great. Okay. All right. We're done for the day. Y'all have a great Have an awesome day. <laughs> Just saying. Um, what else we got here? John from Brownsboro, Brownsboro texted in. He says, uh, know not your ability, but know your enemy, and you will lose most of your time, most of the time yourself. I'm, I'm, trying to, I, I gotta, I'm going to have to read his again. It's like, it's like I'm reading an old English. John from Brownsboro, I'll come back to yours and quote it later. Um, he does say at the end, though, the lackadaisical response didn't show the enemy any of our capabilities. Score one for incompetence. Okay, I'll, I'll gonna, that, that's what intrigues me. I'm coming back to his. Amanda from Decatur. Um, I don't know what that means, Amanda, so I will come back to it. <laughs> Amanda said something about a baby, and I don't know what was happening, so I figured I'd better read it first. Uh, this is what happens when you scan through the dippers while right. you're live on the air or scan through the text messages. The text. Yeah. Uh, what did Jenny from Decatur send us? Oh, it was a <laughs> – I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just a things aren't adding up. And it's, and it's pretty, pretty obvious, obvious <laughs> theorist. <laughs> That's good. That's real good. How do I save that one? That's a meme. I got to save that. All right, folks, listen, we're going to come right back. We're going to jump into one number one of the Triple Dipper early release. Prisoners getting out early and walking the streets. How do you feel about it? Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right and we are back phil williams right side radio solid conservative and just Plain right, covering down on some ground across the northern half of the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about this show goes way on down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gaston, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. I, does the audience know that I have to wave my hands in the air when I say that every time? <laughs> <laughs> and all the ones that actually see you, then they're like, man, oh, I'm not sure why I do it. that, but I've gotten ah. to where like Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi. <laughs> but I'm you're like, pointing in the direction yes. of... Or at least Actually, we think we think, I think so. so. Yes, 
I need to look out the window, see where the sun is, and decide my my you know navigational uh, uh, directions. But anyway, hey, uh, real quick before I jump into the triple dipper, I got to say I got some great text. All right, so I went back and I read John from Brownsboro's text. That's a that's an awesome text. He was quoting Sun Tzu. I was talking about you know uh, the the whole thing about staying alert and 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 um, keeping your head on a swivel and not being frogs in a pot. And the things you can do. And his text was, now that I read it, because, John, there was no punctuation, brother. I couldn't tell what I was reading. He says, know not your ability, but know your enemy, and you will lose most of the time. Mm. Know yourself, but know your, but not your enemy, and you will win half the time. Know yourself and your enemy, and your victory is assured. That's just, that's, that's very cool. Mm. I feel wiser for having read it out loud now. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, thanks, John. Now that I've... John, use punctuation next time, brother. Thank you very much. All right, so uh, Donna from Coleman just said, pray more. Pray, go to work, pray more. Mm. Uh, Raven like from Russellville has a really good one. What do you say? Uh, we may not be able to change everything, but we can change one thing, and it all adds up. Hey, that's good. Which, by the way, Richard from Madison, who sparked my kind of like my, my mini monologue a moment ago, um, he, he sent back a great text. He says, that's exactly, he says, that's exactly what needed to be said. He says, I try to influence what I can. I can't fix the entire government, but I can fix my family or my friends or my fellow church members, mm. and I hope someone else besides he- me hears your words. And then he says, love your show. So anyway, mm. thank you, Richard. Appreciate you. Uh, Raven from Russellville, thank you very much. Uh, Adam from Decatur, can you believe the Grammy satanic performance? I know. Oh. I'll talk about it later during Woke World. Ah, it's on my yes. radar. And then Amanda from Decatur. Says, I, I wonder, I used to wonder why God would allow things like that for others to suffer, but look at what his son went through for us. Oh, there, well, there, there, and she was referring to the earthquake, I think. No, anyway, talking about in general. Um, all right, appreciate you guys. Listen, if you want to text in, you're welcome to it. The text line here, 833 687 4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. If you text in for the very first time, just tell us your first name and where you're from. You text the word right side, you get an automatic message back. It says something like, hey, you right side ruffian, because that's what our peoples are. They're a bunch of right side ruffians out there. Uh, so if you get uh, that, you know, text the word right side to 833-68-RIGHT, you get that message back. And then just tell us what your first name is and where you're from. We'll get you put in the system along with the other hundreds, hundreds like literally hundreds, hundreds. <laughs> that's plural hundreds, lots of hundreds. Um, all right. Number one of the triple dipper. Are y'all tracking the fact that there was a bill apparently passed in the legislature in 2021? I did, I did not, this was off the radar to me. I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was watching all the stuff about, you know, prison construction and things that were happening there, but they also passed a bill that affords early release within the last year to year and a half, I believe, of a sentence. And we're not talking about for nonviolent offenders. We're talking about for the worst of the crimes that people are incarcerated for, murder, manslaughter, rape, um, just on and on and on, violent assaults. Um, So here's the deal. Apparently, the, the thought process behind this, according to State Representative Jim Hill, who I know Jim, um, former judge in St. Clair County, now in the legislature, chairs the House Judiciary Committee. Jim says, this is the best thing to slice bread, I'm paraphrasing. But he says, this is a great thing. He said, what it does is, rather than just letting them out on the day the sentence is over and then we hope for the best and we don't know where they are, they have to be let out with an ankle monitor and we monitor their progress for a period of time 
and it gives us a chance to see what they're doing and hopefully to keep track of some people that need to be kept. Well, if they need to be kept track of, why are we letting them out? I guess that's one of the questions I have to ask. If we need to keep track of them still, then if we, I mean, so we're, who's, who's monitoring, by the way? Who is saying that ankle monitor is currently being observed and he should not be in that place or she should not be over there or they have now violated the terms of their parole because, and I happen to know for a fact that pardons and paroles is, is understaffed. So I'm just really not sure what the process is for making this an effective means of A, reducing the overcrowding in our state systems and B, uh, doing good things for society. Because right now, the loser in this so far, the loser has been the victims. The loser has been, because the law requires that before a violent offender is uh, released, that they, the victim has to be notified. I mean, victim notification is, is a big, hairy deal, y'all. It really is. And when I was down in Montgomery, I, I, was, uh, I was very you know, proud to work alongside a group called Vocal, uh, which is a, uh, a victim's rights advocacy group. Uh, that tries to make sure that notification is always present, that before someone goes up for parole, that the, the victim's families or the victims themselves are notified and given an opportunity to have a voice or at the very least to be knowledgeable that the perpetrator may be back out on their streets very soon. And yet we just had a situation last week where a 2021 law that kind of flew under the radar was set to release like over 400 prisoners out on the streets of Alabama. Now, I you know, they were close to their end of their sentence, right? So there's that. But early release, Republican state, allegedly Republicans are generally speaking tough on crime. And yet here we are in a situation where we were literally setting up society to have to basically put up with people with ankle monitors being released into the streets and in their neighborhoods. And I, and I got to say, man, what, what the heck? Well, in a minute, I'll, I'll get into one of the, uh, the, uh, the legislators has already said that they, they felt like they were sold a bill of goods. They didn't see it this way. Well, you read the bill, I hope, right, before you voted on it. I mean, for the love, fellas. But I, I remember when I was in Montgomery, my, my very first term, and I, and I served on the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee. I vice-chaired Judiciary uh, the last four years I was there, but I served on Senate Judiciary. And I'll never forget in the first year that I was down there, former Chief Justice uh, Democrat, very liberal, Sue Bell Cobb, um, she, uh, she actually uh, got in my face, if you will, even though she was a foot shorter than me, so it's kind of hard to get in my face. But she literally came up to me, goes, Senator, and she put a finger up in my face. She goes, what are you going to say to people when they recognize that you've allowed the prisons to be overcrowded? And I said, well, Madam Chief Justice, what are you going to say to my constituents when I go home and have to explain why I'm weak on crime if I vote for your bill? Uh, that conversation didn't end well. <laughs> but all I'm saying is it's a, it's a difference of mentalities. Time served. Mm. Is there an opportunity for early parole? Well, it needs to be part of the regular sentence, but we've just now hit into a law that requires mandatory early release. That's interesting. From the same legislature, by the way, that just passed what we call Anaya's Law. And Anaya's Law, and I agree with Anaya's Law. Anaya's Law, uh, I think passed last year, I believe. Anaya's Law allows for the denial of bail to suspects who have been charged with a violent first-degree crime. It allows the judge to have discretion to deny bail. Well, that's, that's not a bad thing. Someone's arrested for murder, manslaughter, some violent crime, 
and the judge sees a propensity for, the, for society to be at further risk if the person is allowed out on their own recognizance or on bail, the judge is allowed to deny that under Anaya's law. And it's named because young Anaya Blanchard was killed by a guy who was out on bail. And he shouldn't have been. Um, so in the same state we passed Anaya's law, we now have early release. Piece here on AL Today, Alabama Today. Um, uh, my friend Paul DeMarco, he's a former state representative. He's been on this show several times. But he basically says, in his opinion, Alabama leaders have failed the crime victims again with this mass early release bill. And this story came out yesterday. He says, uh, the release of inmates from Alabama prisons caught a lot of people by surprise. He says, a potential early release of over 2%, I didn't know it was that many, over 2% of the inmate population of the Alabama Department of Corrections was required by a law um, that was passed in 2015 but amended in 2021 by state lawmakers. And I look at it and think, okay, what, what happened in 2015 but now 2021? Mm, mm, what happened then? It says, the crimes these felons committed range from murder, manslaughter, attempted murder, sodomy, rape, sex abuse, theft, drug possession. And their early release as mandated um, clearly does not reflect the desires of Alabama voters. Add to that the failure to notify victims of these crimes as required by law, it just adds insult to injury. State officials knew 16 months ago when the law passed that this day was coming, yet they were unprepared. I think the 2015 law was simply just notification of victims. And now it's notification plus early release. And then he says state leaders would be wise to examine how to improve their whole victim notification process because what happened last week was the Attorney General of the state of Alabama literally filed a lawsuit to stop the pending release of hundreds of prisoners because, he said, they had failed to notify the, the, the victims and the victims' families. Well, a situation that we know is true because a piece I've got here from 1819 News says the Blunt County District Attorney basically was, was having a duck because she said that she's long been on the record in opposition to this 2021 criminal justice legislation, but even more so when she realized that a murderer was being released back into her county and that they had not, they had failed to get the ankle monitor on the person. So basically he was out early and being released. No one had notified anybody. And oh, by the way, there was no ankle monitor. And so she, she, she literally had to call and say, what the heck? At which point, former state Senator Cam Ward, uh, who is now head of pardons and paroles, was able to um, get some things done, and the guy did have an ankle monitor put on. She says, and we'll, we'll, we'll ask uh, District Attorney Jody Willoughby later if that's the way he feels, but uh, that, that, that literally, she says, she feels like district attorneys around the state were opposed to this, but they were afraid to say anything because of their budgets being threatened by the legislature. I disagree with that. I think DAs, you, you, you guys are strong people. Uh, and, I, and I take a little issue here with her saying, well, we all had to sit quiet because it might affect our budget. Well, listen, if that's the way you felt then, then you were a coward then. So I just, just don't go down that road. But the end result is District Attorney Casey, go say something and get the law changed now that we know what's happening. Because the people of the state will be behind you. But don't try and say, well, we didn't say anything then, and now you're mad. It doesn't work that way. It didn't work that way at all. All right, Boomer, go ahead and take us to a break, brother. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back. I'm going to stay on this topic, and then top of the hour, you're going to want to stay tuned because District Attorney uh, Jody Willoughby from Etowah County will be here in studio with us to give us some perspective on what it's like to put people away and then see them get out early. 
And how do they feel about it? Is the DA's association have a position on this? I'll be curious to hear, too. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Uh, just saw arrived in our lobby here, uh, uh, District Attorney uh, Jody Willoughby will be joining us here in a few minutes, top of the hour. Uh, he is here on site, so we'll have that conversation, continuing this thing about early release. And, you know, and I, and I look over uh, at the, uh, the text lines, and some of, y'all, you know, some of y'all care about this, by the way. I can just tell. Um, and, uh, and appreciate all of y'all jumping in. We got somebody new on the text line, Boomer. Hadn't got her name yet, but uh, says he was a chief gunner's mate for 21 years. Thank you for your service, uh, Chief. And uh, give us your first name, where you're from, so we can plug you in. Uh, Allie from Athens just wants to make sure that I remember that uh, here on the right side staff, aside from me and Boomer, you can also, you got to know that Alicia is the official right side ruffian wrangler. So, <laughs> yes, she is. Um, Got another new texter. Uh, I think it's, he's calling himself Joe Gunn from uh, Huntsville. So, Joe Gunn, glad you're here. Um, uh, Tyler from Huntsville says, um, here's a good – I don't know why that quote is necessary, Tyler. I don't know what I can do with that, so I'm going to just move on down the line. Uh, Jeremy from Huntsville just says, great job. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate you, man. Listen, on this topic, uh, so I, I mentioned a moment ago, um, you know, it's, it's funny how they spin it. Um, and one of the things that we're also seeing, by the way, is the governor's office ain't saying boo about this right now. In fact, story, I, I, di- I didn't pull this one as part of my resources. It came up after I had the show prepped already. But I noticed it's at the top of the, uh, the website right now on 1819news.com. Headline, why is Governor Kay Ivey silent on the Department of Corrections chaos? Because it has been chaos. It's been a complete mess. Um, are they getting released or are they not getting released? Who got released? Where did they get released? Do they have an ankle monitor? Oh, we forgot. Hang on a second. We'll get it fixed. Governor Kay Ivey, it says, has yet to address the chaos in the Alabama Department of Corrections. Last week, the ADOC released more than 100 violent inmates after a 2021 law took effect. In fact, I believe it's more than 100. The release drew heat from critics such as the Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall, who filed a lawsuit. Uh, Marshall's lawsuit also delayed the release of most of the inmates because they were not eligible because victims had not been notified. Um, but it goes on to talk about several things. But the, but the main point is here, um, Madam Governor, you're the head of this. It's part of the executive branch. So could you please at least just address it? Say something. Are you there? Um, and the silence is deafening right now from the governor's office. But then I will say this, State Representative Brown, I said it a moment ago, and I was, this, is, this is like the wah kind of session here. He says, if I had to vote for it, State Representative Brown, who, by the way, sponsored Anaya's law, but he says, now if I had to vote for this bill, the early release bill, I wouldn't because what we are voting on is not what the governor sold to the legislature. Hmm. He said, this was the governor's bill. It was part of her overall package of legislation during the special session to build new facilities. Hmm. All right. I, I got to say. I do not mind hearing a legislator say, 
these were unattended consequences. I believed it would go different than what it is. I'm willing to make changes. I, I, never mind that. I would, I would bet that a half of all legislation that we put up on the floor of the House and Senate for passage in every legislative session is an amendment to prior legislation. Not because you got it wrong, but because you can't help but see some things later on that have to get tweaked, times change, whatever, language needs to be revised, whatever. But in this case, he's blaming it on the governor. You're the legislative branch of government, sir. So State Representative Brown, you got to do better than that, man. Uh, you got to do way better than just, well, this is the governor's bill. You passed it. You, that, that's a that's a jack wagon statement. I'm going to move on from that one. And then I mentioned that State Representative Hill says this is the greatest thing to slice bread. He says the purpose of the legislation was realizing that people get out of prison, and if they end their sentence in prison, then we have absolutely no supervision over them for any period of time when they leave. So the purpose of the law is to say, look, just go off and over. We're going to add in a period of time where they have an element of supervision, but they did it in a sort of a backwards way. So here's how this works. Let me see if I can find the measuring stick. The formula is this. For those who have sentences that are five years or less, they can get released three to five months early. For those who have sentences of more than five but less than 10 years, they can get released six to nine months early. For those who have sentences of more than 10 years, they can get released from 12 to 24 months early. And no one can be monitored after the date of their original sentencing expires. And sex offenders are not eligible at all. Well, there's that. All right. Well, listen, this is a topic that's got to be hitting some people. Um, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. Welcome to text in 833-687-4448. But I'll, I'll tell you, it's, um, it's a difficult spot to be in. And coming up next, we'll have a conversation with a district attorney whose job it is to put people in jail when they are needed. To, I mean, when They don't prosecute crimes that they don't believe they can prosecute. And, and to put someone in jail and then to find out that they get early release without monitoring or the victims don't get notified sort of flies in the face of the job that the district attorneys around this state are doing. So those DAs and ADAs, they are overworked and underpaid. But y'all, I'm telling you, um, we need them. And then to, to do this, to have a Niles law on the front end that says, we can be tough. But on the backside, you're going to say, hey, uh, time out for good behavior and put on this ankle monitor and be on your way. It's, a, it's an interesting dichotomy. It's, a, it's, it's tough to reconcile some of that. And yet we have these prison systems that are like, what, 160% almost or 150% overcrowding? Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a tough nut to crack. But we'll talk to um, attorney, uh, District Attorney uh, Jody Willoughby here in a moment, see what he has to say. In the meantime, y'all text in if you want to, 833-68-RIGHT. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right 
You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international, and like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. All right, we're here in studio right now. A friend of mine who I've known for a bit, uh, district attorney for Etowah County, uh, Jody Willoughby. Uh, been in office now. We were just kind of reminiscing seven years. That's right. Uh, seven years. Uh, I was proud to be there as a state senator, you know, nominating you to fill the role of the previous DA who had passed away. Yes. And uh, then you've won your election outright in 2018. And That's right. Apparently the people want to keep you around a little while longer. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Well, you, you got a great track record going uh, in Etowah. But um, but listen, I, 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 I wanted to get you in here to talk mm-hmm. about a couple things. Um, you know, there's always this notion that you don't want to go home from Montgomery and be the guy who was soft on crime. And I, and I told the story earlier in the, in the, the show of uh, former Chief Justice Sue Bell Cobb getting in my face and wanting to know, what are you going to do about overcrowded prisons? And I said, well, what are you going to do about explaining to my constituents if I'm soft on crime and let everybody go? Right. Um, which she didn't appreciate. And luckily, she wasn't around much longer. Uh, but, uh, but listen, so we've got Anaya's Law on the front end, which is new. Yes. Uh, what about a year old? Yeah, I believe it was a uh, 2021 act, but went into effect November of 22. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, so let's talk about that one first. Mm-hmm. Y- you guys prosecuting crime on a regular basis. Correct. Um, how has Anaya's law come into effect, and have you even had it in your courtroom yet? Yes. Um, you know, the only non-bailable offense prior to Anaya's law in Alabama was capital murder. Uh, yet we had, you know, the the list of 11 or 10 other cases, murder, kidnapping one, rape one, sexual torture, human trafficking first, burglary first, arson first, robbery first, terrorism, and aggravated child abuse. And those cases were coming across our desk weekly. And it put us in a real bad situation where there wasn't a no bond option. Mm. And you're, you're having to argue a high bond, which then the defense attorney is going to come in and automatically say it's unconstitutional. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we're there for public safety, and, and that's first and foremost. Um, but, yes, it has been implemented, and there, there is still a mechanism, though, for the defendant to have a pretrial detention hearing when a no bond is put in place. So, so do you have to request the no bond? Is that the way it works, or the judge has total discretion on their own? Our, our particular jurisdiction has done an administrative order. Uh, basically amending the bail schedule okay. for the crimes enumerated in Anaya's law. Well, that, I mean, is, that, is it effective? Do you find that being something that's worthwhile? Is it, has it been good it's for your huge. office? Okay. It's huge because one of the most paramount things just within the first, you know, 72 hours to a week of, of, of this investigation and arrest is, is you know, where's this person going to be? Yeah. You know, are they a danger to, to those around them? Are they a danger back in the home? You know, things of that nature. And it takes a little time to sort some of that out. Uh, but, you know, the pretrial detention was 72 hours. So that's how long we have to, to figure that out and, and ensure that public safety is number one. Well, and, and I guess the reality is, too, uh, I remember when I went to law school thinking the wheels of justice turn quickly and efficiently. They don't always go quickly at the very least. And, uh, 
and, and it, it, you don't want someone skipping bail. Next thing you know, you can't find them anywhere, much less, you know, mm-hmm. like the next day. How about, how about a year from now when they go to trial? That's a huge fear of yeah. us. Um, uh-huh. So having it, you know, we, we do have some options. You know, we do have a local uh, community corrections who supervises a lot of our bond cases, um, not just like a pretrial um, diversion or something like that, actual folks who have made bond, even on a violent offense, uh, supervising them so that we're keeping a tab on them the best we can. So you guys get through, you know, your role as prosecutor, you, you see someone convicted, sentencing occurs, and they're, they're gone. And, they're, and they're, they're off to jail for whatever that period of time is going to be after sentencing has, has been set down. Um, and then now we have legislation that also allows them to potentially get out early with an ankle monitor. What, yes. what are your thoughts? Um, I think it's hard to talk about that without backing up a few years. Okay. Um, if we go back to October 1, 2013, with the implementation of sentencing guidelines. Yeah. Um, I was looking back through the sentencing manual, and that went into effect, again, October 1, 2013, which provided, it's called presumptive guidelines. Right. Presumptive could be replaced with mandatory on certain property and drug offenses. But I was looking through the purpose of the Alabama Sentencing Commission and the guidelines and highlighted a few uh, to prevent prison overcrowding, provide judges with flexibility and sentencing options, limit limit discretion of the district attorneys in determining the charge or crime, Hmm. Um, in fulfilling the purpose, the commission shall be mindful of the purposes of sentencing that include protecting the public, promoting respect for the law, providing just and adequate punishment for the offense, and deterring criminal conduct. So while there are many DAs who are in opposition to the sentencing guidelines in 2013, they set out and have been doing the very thing that we're attempting to say we're doing in that 2021, which we you were just discussing. Right. And I, if I remember correctly, some of the statistics that came out right after uh, within 12 months or so of the implementation of the sentencing guidelines was a 25% reduction in prison population. Yeah. And yeah. so prison overcrowding is all I've heard since I came into office. Yeah. But yet we've shut down prisons. They keep getting smaller and smaller as to where those persons are. Um, so overcrowding is is tough for me to swallow when that's not really my job. My job is to not concern myself with overcrowding, but yet we've we've put these things in place uh, allegedly to prevent overcrowding, but yet we keep legislating it. So how did 2021 go? What, what, what did that actually do to the sentencing that y'all have put? I mean, you guys have got a conviction. Mm-hmm. You've got offender X who's convicted mm-hmm. of, I don't know, murder, mm-hmm. rape, whatever the case may be, because it's violent criminals that are also being allowed out under the 2021 legislation. What is it actually doing that that you, you were? I mean, is it is it literally? It's a mandatory release by a certain period of time. It's is mandatory. What I understand. It's that that's that's what's so puzzling about it. So you have presu- presumptive guidelines on the front end for sentencing, but now you have presumptive reduction, is what it looks like. That's it. That's yes. You can insert that word for mandatory because they did it in 2013. Um, but what it's what it's doing? The, you know, any allegation that that this is going to allow us to n- not allow an offender to EOS, which is an end of sentence in prison, right. but let's let's watch them for a 10 to 12-month period. That That's just... Uh, Who does the watching? 
supposedly an ankle monitor and, and pardons and paroles. I don't know. They have which, to get there. They have to get on a bus and get there. Which pardons and paroles always talks about how they're understaffed and un- incapable of handling right. current caseloads. phenomenal pardons and paroles. I, I, I trust them implicitly. But how can they just take all of these people who, why don't we just monitor them for the next 10 to 12 months in their sentence? To finish their sentence, I'd rather them be monitored inside the walls of DOC yeah. where they belong and where they were supposed to be rather than putting them out in the public and, and possibly having a public safety issue. So a whole piece of this that happened in the last 10 days was Attorney General Steve Marshall. That's right. Uh, head prosecutor for the state of Alabama. That's right. He filed suit against the Bureau of Pardons and Paroles because this was underway. And actually, actually he had ADOC and Pardons mm-hmm. and Paroles. He filed suit, which is basically it was a suit for injunctive, you know, trying to get them to enjoin the actions of releasing these prisoners because he said that part of the legislation required victim notification, and that was not happening. It does. Um, Subsection 3C, prior to defendant's release to supervision, notice of the release shall be provided by the department to the victim. Boomer, has anybody else ever come to our show with notes like this? Uh, no, this it's pretty amazing. <laughs> I, I'm loving it. I'm like, wow. But it's to the victim and interested parties through the victim. Yeah. And and so that was the whole point of General Marshall's uh, TRO yeah. was that, hey, you know, the very legislation you have, you're not even following it. Um, but there's notice provisions. There's been notice provisions in the law under victims' rights laws yeah. for decades. And and I remember I f- working with Vocal when I was down in Montgomery before. Absolutely. Great organization. Absolutely. It, it it feels, it has the feel that victims' rights continue to be eroded, maybe unintended, eroded over the years, at least since I've been in office. All right. So with about a minute before we go to the break, mm-hmm. um, it, it, is this is this twenty twenty one legislation, is it hurting or helping in the in the overall capacity of of, of, of making streets safer? Hurting. We, we, can, we have a hard enough time telling victims when someone may be out on the street again because you have good time yeah. incentives. You know, certain classifications of offenders can get 75 days credit for every 30 days they're incarcerated. Yeah. So that, end of, that, that sentence is not the real sentence anyway. So it's 10 to 12 months of the minimum release date, not the actual year of the sentence. Oh, all right. I'll tell you what. Let's take a break right now. Boomer, we'll do that right now. It is uh, right at 16 after the hour. We'll take this first break. Come right back. Sitting in here with a guy who studied up for the interview, apparently. Uh, (laughs) District Attorney from Etowah County, Jody Willoughby. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid conservative, just plain right. Saving the world one soundbite at a time. Well, here we are back in studio, District Attorney from Etowah County, Jody Willoughby. Appreciate you being here today. Thanks man. for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so as we're talking through this stuff, i got to ask you, and um, so one of your, I was going to say brethren, sistren, 
uh, in the neighboring county, uh, District Attorney Pam Casey. She 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 had herself a moment with all of this. She did, uh, and that was related to an inmate being released back into her jurisdiction and didn't have the ankle monitor he was supposed to have, and he was a violent offender. I want to say he was a murderer, but um, he was, uh, and so she got that corrected. Are you seeing in your jurisdiction here in Etowah County, uh, are you seeing any of these releases coming back our way? Uh, yes. We had, I believe, 17 total uh, set for release. And I know that I had one sodomy rape. Um, we had some burglary, uh, which you know would be entering someone's home, Yeah, which is hugely detrimental to a victim. Yeah. I never forget that. Yeah. Um, and a DV strangulation. Um, robbery one, which would have been an armed robbery. So we had multiple violent offenses. The others were property and drug-related crimes. But I do want to point out, I know one of the parties on here very well, and his conviction was for unlawful distribution of controlled substances. One issue we have in, in our in our Code of Alabama is the violent crimes are, are listed out in, in multiple sections of the code. So you may find them in 12, 25, 32. You may find them in 15, uh, 18, 8. But when we talk about crimes of violence, unlawful distribution of controlled substance is also a crime of violence mm-hmm. under uh, 13A 1170. And the legislature saw fit to make that person a violent offender so that they couldn't possess a firearm. Right, so hmm. if they if they feel that confident about the violent crime label, yeah. then let's get it all together and not leave it piecemeal throughout the code. I, I think it's got to be cleaned up. Well, that's that's an interesting point. So let's let's talk about that for a second in the few minutes we got left together here. So, um, I remember you coming down there and speaking at uh, Judiciary Committee uh, when it. I was in the Senate, and um, and and you guys have an active role. I mean, and I've had Barry Matson from the DA's Association on this show to talk about fentanyl and other stuff like right. that before. Uh, you guys have a, a great association. Yes, that's 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 it's not one of those that people are like. Oh crap! Here they come. <laughs> it's one of the associations that you kind of want to be aligned with. And yes. So as you guys are helping the processes of legislative action in Montgomery, is there a wish list right now? Or are the things like with what we're talking about here, what would you want to see happen in the upcoming legislative session if possible? I would love to see the prison reform bill from 2015-2016 repealed. I'd love to see this act 2021-549 on the early release, mandatory release repealed. Um, I would love to remove the presumptive language on guidelines. Mm. I would love to see them all be voluntary guidelines, meaning I think the best people to assess the offender's possible adjudication in their sentence are the very people that are right here in this jurisdiction handling the cases, and that's the DAs who may have to work out plea agreements or the judges who may have to sentence, either whether it be after a trial or not pursuant to a plea agreement. It could be a blind plea where a defendant just enters a, a plea, and rather than being bound when they know that there is a history with this defendant, allow the flexibility in determining what a sentence should be. All right. Uh, well put. Now, um, right now we're still looking at prison overcrowding. There's that phrase you love. Hmm. Where, but they're talking about building the new prison system. I mean, they, they, the entire new super prisons are, are – I don't know where we are in that process, and I need to find out. But 
Have you heard any updates on that? What, I, what, what are we looking at in that regard? I have not. I don't have any time frames. I mean, the bill that we're speaking about now of the mandatory release was part of the prison construction bill from the governor. Which is what Representative Brown from Mobile was complaining about, that he did. <laughs> it was the governor's bill. Uh, you got to read it. Um, but um, I, I don't have a timeline. I would love to see them built yesterday. Uh, because, again, my job is not to concern myself with prison overcrowding. Mm. It is to seek justice. I raised my right hand August 17th of 2015, and I took an oath. And I'm trying to carry out that oath, but the acts that keep coming before me that I have to adhere to because I have to adhere to the law are flying in the face of what I'm trying to do every day. So if we had the first tranche of releasees, uh, what's the schedule? Are they, is it like is it like every quarter, every month, I every week? What are we looking at here? I, in the I think they either have it weekly or monthly. So, um, so weekly or monthly, we're going to see continued releases. Well, you would have to, if you think about it. I mean, the pipeline has begun. So yeah. once once you see the, either the ten uh, ten years or more, less than ten years, once that began January thirty one, then there's going to be sentences that fall almost daily. But uh, you know, as far as their release schedule, that's just it. I mean, pardons and paroles and DOC have the entire control over that. So we don't know. We don't know, but do they notify you? I mean, aside from victim notification, do you get a call saying, hey, these are coming back? Um, we got a we got some correspondence. Some we got some correspondence. Don't you be careful with your terms on this show. <laughs> <laughs> we got some correspondence because they were uh, we were assisting, and our office was already reaching out to victims the moment we found out about this. Mm. And so we were assisting in providing some victim information. All right. Well, listen, man, I can't tell you much. I appreciate you being here today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And uh, let's do it again sometime because I imagine this is not going to be the end of the story. It's not. Uh, <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> I just, uh, well, you know, every day we turn around, but I, 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 still look, I still look back at that conversation with Sue Bell Cobb. What are you going to do about prison overcrowding? And I said, what are you going to do about my constituents who want to know why I'm being weak on crime if I pass your bill? That's right. Um, well, anyway, Jody, appreciate you. Thank and you. And all your ADAs, you got a crew over there doing we God's have, work. And, we, uh, we have an amazing office. You I do. couldn't be more proud of them. You do. And uh, I would say the same is probably true around the state. But um, anyway, thanks for your time. Thanks for what you do the state of Alabama. Thank you. All right. All right, Boomer, we got a break coming up, I know, in moments and seconds. And we're going to switch gears when we get back, folks. Uh, we're literally looking at uh, – Probably one of our better segments of the week, Adventures in Woke World. I got a plethora, a buffet, a cornucopia, if you will, of wokeness that you're just going to either want to throw something at the radio, roll your eyes, or laugh. We'll see. Anyway, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid conservative, just plain right, covering down on some ground across the northern half of the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. Um, well, I, I, listen, we're going to switch gears. Got to. All right, so we, we just spent the first, I don't know, what, hour of the show, really, talking about this prison release situation. And I, I can tell right now that uh, the uh, text lines went bananas, so I need to go back. And, and uh, JT from Lacey Springs says, we're looking at jackassery. That's was <laughs> jackassery. Um, uh, <laughs> anyway, Raven from Russellville says, early release means we need plenty of armed citizens. Just saying. Okay, there's that. Uh, Tyler Huntsville says, everyone was sharing quotes. Figured I'd share one, too. That was the quote. <laughs> uh, that's what he was saying. I get it. He was throwing a quote out there that he liked. I got it. Thank you, Tyler. Appreciate you. Um, Penny from Athens says, Phil, as if we don't have enough problems, now they're releasing prisoners early. I voted for Anaya's law. Uh, Meemaw Ivy, oh, she's talking about Governor Ivy. You better get out of her comfy chair and stop this. Um, so, yeah, we got uh, we, we got nothing from the governor's office on this. That's uh, That's one take from Penny from Athens. Um, uh, we got a, a new texter on the line, Robert from Athens. He says, uh, Phil, my take on this legislation is a response to prison overcrowding and the citizens of Alabama are bearing the brunt of the new legislation. Remember the Fed said, fix this or we'll take over the Alabama prison system. I'm sure the governor's handlers will say something placating the public. Your age question is spot on. That's from yesterday, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. Um, Mike from Mel from Huntsville. I'm sorry, Mel from Huntsville says you haven't mentioned cacistocracy in a few. <laughs> cacistocracy. Cacistocracy. You know what, Boomer? We need to have a, a sound effect where someone just in the background yells cacistocracy. That's cacistocracy. I know. <laughs> cacistocracy. If you're not familiar with that word, K-A-K-I-S-T-R-O-C-R-A-C-Y. Cacistocracy is literally a word in the English language that means a government run by the least qualified or competent of its citizens. <laughs> <laughs> that is too funny. And speaking of which, the uh, State of the Union address is tonight. Oh, uh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, TL from Huntsville says, well, if they were already having inadequate staffing numbers in prison, uh, they just shot themselves in the foot again. Who would want to walk into that mess they've made for themselves? Well, um, there's that. Ronnie from, does that say Detroit, Alabama? Ronnie from Detroit, Alabama. We have a Detroit, Alabama? We have a Detroit, Alabama. I did not know this. It's new on the text line. Ronnie, we're glad to have you from Detroit, Alabama. Where is Detroit, well, Alabama? Let's look. we got to look that up. i got to know where this is. Um, Dustin out yonder, Alabama. <laughs> He's <from> out yonder. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and Dustin's comment. Okay, let me see what this says. He says... Um, He's Dustin from out yonder, Alabama. He says, I was an inmate in ADOC for three and a half years for a nonviolent drug offense. I went in a young, scared drug addict that needed treatment. I left a hardened man with even worse drug habit due to the violence I was forced to take part in. Nonviolent offenders have no place in state prison. Oh. And, and Dustin, uh, great comments. And, I, and I'm praying that your life is now uh, on a different path. Um, uh, anybody can have a second chance. And I'm, I'm believing that for you. That being said... Um, yeah, nonviolent prisoners, uh, different categories, some of the ones we're talking about. Um, and uh, what did you find, Detroit, Alabama? Detroit, Alabama. It is up like the northwest-ish northwest corner, side. like near Hamilton. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Over that way? Near Hamilton. Detroit, mm -hmm. Alabama. I Detroit, no Alabama. I didn't know you were there. Look, look it up and see what the population of Detroit, Alabama All right. is. We used to do this thing on, uh, there's a show that used to be on Boomer probably way before your time called Hee Haw. Did you ever see Hee Haw on Saturdays? I don't think I did. Every once in a while, they pick a small town somewhere and they go, 
Hee-haw salutes the town of Detroit, Alabama, population 72. Yee-haw. That would, you know, so anyway, John from Huntsville says, I have a theory. They're letting out these criminals so they can fill all these jobs that are being created, but nobody's taking them. That's <laughs> John. John being cynical. And uh, Raven from Russell just texted in and says, Detroit, Alabama is over there between Hamilton and Guin. Yeah, there we go. There it is. That's it. All right. Um, did you find a population? Population 227. No kidding. Well, that's what this says. I was waiting for 227, but it doesn't have any numbers after it. No, it's 227, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I mean, like... Uh, I thought it, I was wrong at first, and I kept looking. I mean, I had a number of little small-town favorites in my district, uh, but like one of them was Altoona, population 972, I believe, back then. Um, and then the smallest town in my district was the town of Ridgeville, and Ridgeville is literally off the side of the road somewhere going up the mountain towards Sardis, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> off, off the off, off side of the off road. That, off the side of the road. Off the side of the road going up the mountain towards Sardis. And um, somewhere like on the, on, the, on, the, on the ledge, on the ridge of Sand Mountain, Ridgeville. And the uh, mayor won the mayoral election in Ridgeville by a vote of 19 to 12. That's how small Ridgeville is. All right. So... Um, all right, listen, we're going to go into number two of the Triple Dipper now that we've opined about small-town Alabama. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, oh, by the way, Dustin from out yonder just texted back in. It says, four years saber, sober and gainfully employed since nine days after he got released. Good mm, on you, Dustin. Way to go. Good on you. Give me the applause for that one. Oh, yes, Outstanding. absolutely. Outstanding. There you go, sir. All right. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. All right, um, <laughs> number two in the Triple Dipper. Have to do this once in a while as I resource the show. I begin to see things, sort of a amalgam of things, if you will, a, uh, a buffet of wokeness. <laughs> I begin to notice that there are any number of samplings, a, 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 a cornucopia, if you will, of woke fest going on all around us. And then I find myself thinking, I veritably have a charcuterie of wokeness, a, a plethora, and it's time for Adventures in Woke World. Adventures in Woke World. <laughs> All right, first story out the gate. You'll be happy to know that the uh, Rhode Island uh, Democrat women's group uh, now has a man leading the group. Why would this be? And oh, by the way, he's 75 years old, which I did not picture. Boomer, do you, I mean. Whoa, 75-year-old. 75-year-old transgender. I just, that one caught me off guard. That, yeah, a little bit. So a 75-year-old man, according to Breitbart, story came out yesterday, a 75-year-old man who identifies as a woman recently won an election to become chair of the Rhode Island Democrat Women's Caucus. Okay. The Reverend Donnie Anderson. So I don't know if Donnie is meant to be his, his dude name or his dudette name. But anyway, the Reverend Donnie Anderson. He's a reverend, by the way. Whoa. So I'm, I'm finding myself going, hmm, okay, 75 years old, hmm, identifies as a woman, hmm, mm. and he's a reverend, hmm. <laughs> the Reverend Donnie Anderson won an uncontested race. Oh, it was uncontested. Okay. An uncontested race to become the leader of the Democrat women's group despite not being a woman. Anderson, who currently works as a pastor at the Pilgrim United, Methodist, Pilgrim United Church of Christ, I'm sorry, in New Bedford, Massachusetts, has now outlined the group's priorities for the year, one of which is to fight for gender ideology in schools and his opposition to the movement for parental rights. <laughs> There's a. God. No. You can't make this crap up. Um, one political writer and strategist, Natasha Chart, uh, talking about the situation, said, It's always sad 
when yet another women's group is pressured into letting a transvestite take over senior leadership out of fear that they'll be called bigots for not pretending that he's a woman. Um, it went on to say, too, this is a good point. Takes a lot of nerve to be a 75-year-old grandfather campaigning to sterilize young children on the basis of unsubstantiated uh, threats to their lives. It's just unreal. But she also points out, she goes, where are the adults? She goes, I'm kind of disappointed here. I would have thought that at that age group, they'd have been saying, no, you're not, sonny boy. You're not playing that game with us. But they didn't. Um, apparently, they got cowed into indifference, and they allowed the dude who claims he's a dudette to become the head of the Democrat Women's Caucus in Rhode Island. Non-contested. That's what gets yeah, me. Yeah, ain't nobody running. Like, come on. What, and, and you look at that and go, was it because they were scared or they couldn't find anybody else? Or both. Yeah, or both. Or like, oh, it's okay. We don't care. Oh. <sighs> yeah. Okay, yeah, we both have the heavy side <laughs> at the same time. Next story, Adventures in Woke World. Disney cuts the Simpsons episode that mentions forced labor camps. In China, why would this be? Maybe because they're worried about their profits. Senator Ben Sass blasted uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger in October 2019 for, for having said in 2019 he was going to maintain, you know, quiet in the face of, you know, um, what was going on in China. Senator Ben Sass says selling your soul to save your profits is going to be a heck of a plot line for Frozen 2. So there's about a million Uyghurs in Chinese communist prisons who aren't going to be visiting the Magic Kingdom anytime soon. So Disney. Literally had an episode of a cartoon, apparently, called One Angry Lisa. I've never heard. Oh, it's a Simpsons story. I'm sorry. It was a Simpsons episode called One Angry Lisa. And it aired in October 2022, but it had a place in there where someone was shouting about the wonders of China, including Bitcoin mines and forced labor camps where children make smartphones. And they decided to cut that. They cut it because they didn't want to offend the Chinese government. The same Chinese government, by the way, that just flew a spy balloon across the United States. Yeah, exactly. Just saying. I mean, for the love. Anyway, Disney, ever intent upon being woke, won't interfere with government. Oh, unless it's here in the United States. Mm -hmm. Because then they're all over the idea of, you know, don't pass a bill in Florida they don't like. There's that one. All right, Boomer, I got to ask you. Okay, I'm ready. Do you have any relatives left in Oregon? Oh, I do. Bless their hearts. I know. Bless right. their hearts. But I, I suspect they're the goodens. They're the goodens. They're yes. the goodens. <laughs> um, so, have you seen? Story came out on Fox uh, yesterday, February sixth. There are now eleven Oregon counties that have voted to secede from the state of Oregon to join Idaho. Eleven. Eleven. This is like getting, wow. This has become a movement. So, if y'all aren't familiar, it's actually called the Greater Idaho Movement, to be honest. Uh, but, but Jim, the Greater Idaho Movement has been gaining constituent support around this. They've actually had county after county now that have gone to the polls and voted to leave the state of Oregon because they don't feel like the eastern side of the state is literally considered to be very conservative. I served in, I served mm -hmm. in Iraq with a, a group of guys from Oregon, and they said the same thing. They said, man, go east of the Cascades. It's like you're in Alabama. Oh, yeah. But west, on the, on the, on the, the coastal side, Right. It's a whole nother world, brother. It is. It so, is. I need to I need to ask them about that. Yeah. I want to get some first first hand, you know. And, and so do your folks live on the east or the west side of the state? Uh, they they live on the west. Do they really? Yes. All right. So maybe they just don't know about it. Maybe so, they're keeping it under wraps. <laughs> they haven't told them yet. Well, I mean, it, it, by the way, it can't just happen. It can't just like, we voted, we're done, we're out of here. It doesn't work that way. Idaho state leaders, it says, 
have actually, but Idaho, Idaho state leaders Idaho. have motioned for formal discussions about the proposal, but, but they can't just do it. And even if they wanted to, and both states agreed, um, they have to be uh, approved by Congress to change the geographic boundaries of an entire state. But the Oregon, they wouldn't agree. Probably like, not, because it's a huge loss to them. That's a huge them. loss. I mean, granted, it's they're they're less populated. <laughs> they're more conservative. They don't align with the politics of the state because all the politics are run by the major metropolitan areas on the on the west side. But right. still, could you imagine if that went through the history making moment? Oh yeah, we're just we're just changing the we're seceding. Yeah, we're seceding, yeah. and we're gonna just change this line real quick. And it looks oh, Siri didn't agree with me. Siri. <laughs> Is that your watch yelling watch at you? Talking, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and by the way, they say that one of the things that's happening is that the the left leaning wokeness going on in um, in the state capital has implemented a a tax on businesses that's crushing the souls of businesses left and right. They say that their tax oh. before they can pay their employees, before they pay the cost of their goods or anything else, they get taxed on their gross income, not their net, and it's killing businesses and and oh. and people just want out. They just, they just want to go to Idaho. I just want, they just to, want to go over there. Can we just go to Idaho, please? Be part of the potato state. Can we do that? <laughs> um, is that way? Idaho the potato? Yes, Idaho. Yeah, yes. Idaho is. Exactly. All right. Take me to a break, brother. We'll do that. We'll come right back. I got more Adventures in Woke World stuff. Stuff you just, you just need to know. Before you go into the State of the Union speech tonight and hear that everything's good and ain't no problems anywhere, I got some stuff, man. We'll talk about it. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Adventures in Woke World. We'll be right back. back phil williams right side radio solid conservative and just plain right making it cool to be a conservative so we're in uh, adventures in woke world that's the segment we're in right now and um and and listen <laughs> there's some stuff in here some of it i look at and go come on how do you even how do you even go down that road and keep a straight face well i i saw a video yesterday in fact, I almost grabbed it, but it was one of those things that was just so irritating. I didn't know that I could even play it on the air. But a, a little cartoon, a little little presentation of the 1619 Project and how important it is to recognize that the nation was built on the backs of slavery, that the only reason why we're here today, the only reason why this nation is great is because of slavery. Now, I am not excusing slavery, but y'all, we cannot go down the road of history and say that the only thing that made this country great is slavery. That is absolutely an, that's an abomination of history when you do that. Is, there's no way in the world you can possibly express that and keep a straight face. But they do. They try. Well, here's another piece, though. Disney, again, Disney, Disney Plus. Disney Plus has a little cartoon. National Review reports on this as of yesterday. Uh, the latest from the social justice crusade disguised as children's cartoons is a spoken word stage performance. And the Daily Wire reports on it that it basically um, wants the world to know that Lincoln did not set the slaves free. Here, here's, here's, let me just do this. The Daily Wire reports that the scene is from a recent episode of this cartoon 
uh, called Proud Family Louder and Prouder. And it reviews, here's a quote, quote, reviews the history of Juneteenth when the kids discovered that their town's founder was a slave owner. And the characters in the cartoon then, of course, launch into a sweeping indictment of America, a systemically prejudiced racism infilled in white supremacist America that was founded with and still is not atoned for, quote, plantation owners, northern bankers, New England ship owners, the founding fathers, and current senators among those who had profited on the backs of slaves. The Daily Wire notes further, pictures of Black Lives Matter protests are in the cartoon, repeated demands for reparations, the debunked Michael Brown, Michael Brown hands up, don't shoot mantra. Uh, it's all in there. And, and then they start making bizarre references to the Illuminati, the New World Order, and the idea that Lincoln didn't free the slaves because only we can free ourselves and emancipation is not freedom. I mean, you look at this and go, for the love, this is, this is, this is coming from a position of I hate America, so let me tear it down. And that's being put on Disney Plus. So I got news. <laughs> that's not something that I, I want to ever see any kids that I love watching. And I would hope that y'all feel the same way. I mean, you look at this and go, at what point do you not feel some shame for rewriting history? Because the idea that you're going to talk about, talk about trying to deny history, but then also at the same time, denying anything good that might co-opt your message. Well, Lincoln was a Republican. He freed the slaves. Lincoln didn't really free anybody. You can't, you can't be freed by another person. You only free yourself. Emancipation is not freedom. So he ended slavery, but that wasn't enough. It was the first step in everything that had to go forward. Listen, this is, this is Adventures in Woke World. Play me that, play me that uh, Adventures in Woke World again. Adventures. In woke world, because every day is an adventure. Let me just tell you. Here's the other thing I've got: Daily Caller, separate story. Daily Caller. Here's what will fund electric vehicle charging stations that you won't use. <laughs> so right now we're being pushed to electric vehicles. Right. This article points out things that I hadn't even thought of, and I thought I've been thinking this thing for a while. It points out things like the fact: okay, charging at home is the usual course, but that people want to take road trips, they got to be able to charge up, right? And then you get it. What's that, what's that phrase, Boomer, that we had for a while? Um, uh, was it dis- range anxiety? Range anxiety. Range anxiety. Yes. Range yes. anxiety is a new thing because range anxiety is when you're just not sure you can make it far enough on your charge. Well, you signed up for it. Here's the deal. It points out the fact that there are a number of travel centers, like, uh, like the, the, the big truck stops, uh, Travel Centers of America, uh, Pilot, Loves. They're putting in chargers now, and it's a, you know, it's a private sector gig. Some of those are probably being subsidized, but nonetheless, like, like Travel Centers of America says they're putting 1,000 of these EV charging stations in over 200 locations in the next five years. There's going to be like 160,000 charging stations. But it points out but the business case for a public charging is very poor. Now, while it may work where you, and, and it's, it's, by the way, it's not a perfect solution, but it may work where you pull in and charge your, your car at the Love's truck stop, right? But then what about public charging? Is that really a deal? Listen, folks, I got some numbers here. We're going to come right back, and I'm going to tell you, what does it cost and how long does it take, a best-case scenario, to charge your vehicle on a road trip? And is it even something we can put in? And who pays for it? And then what happens when you, I don't know, live at a multi-unit housing like an apartment building? How do you handle this? It's something. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will be right back. 
right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national covering down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Um, hey, Boomer, I just wonder, are you and the family getting some popcorn to watch State of the Union tonight? And oh, man, let evening? me tell you. I got the popcorn laid out. <laughs> I got my bed ready because I'm probably going to fall asleep or I'll just be really angry. Nah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could sit through it. See, this is one of those things where it's hard for me because it's kind of my gig to know what's said. Right. <laughs> but I have no desire to watch it. Oh. I mean... Well, you know you're going to have a whole segment on it tomorrow. Probably. 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 And then Grand Council will have to talk about it. <laughs> Adventures and, in Kakistocracy. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and Jeff Poor will probably have it like memorized by the time he gets here. He's like and Dell probably wouldn't have junkie. listened to it. No, Dell will probably watch it and throw things at his TV while he does it. Um, but I don't know, man. I, so, okay, we'll see. State of the Union is tonight. That's going to be so interesting awesome. because... You know, I'll be honest. If Biden gets out there and attempts to portray the world as being ought than it is, I mean, don't tell us, don't tell us for a second that we're not paying ten dollars for a dozen eggs, because we are. Because we are. Yeah. We see it, so don't tell us we're not. <laughs> don't tell us that gas is not still above three dollars a gallon in Alabama alone, much less California, because mm-hmm. it is. Don't tell us that the cost of, you know. Uh, the, or the value of a dollar is better now than it was because it ain't. And and then, you know, don't tell us the southern border is secure. Boy, God, if he says that. Oh, my goodness. If he says the southern border is secure, I, I'm, I may be the one throwing something at the TV. Just saying. Ooh. All right, here's what I also – Mekin is going to talk. Somewhere in there, there's going to be green energy. What do you bet? Oh, absolutely. Somewhere. Here's the thing. I got this story from the Daily Caller. I sort of kicked it off at the beginning, at the end of the last hour. How are we in the third hour already? How's that possible? I don't know. I just realized it was the start of the third hour, just now. Okay, yeah. <laughs> By the way, it's 4.06 p.m., <laughs> 4.09. Anyway, um, but it, this this article points out, uh, we're, we're doing Adventures in Woke World, all right? And, and wokeness, part of that is the Green New Deal. And here we are looking at, we're being pushed to electric vehicles. If you want to own an EV, good on you. Go for it. Yeah. It's kind of like the vaccination. If you want to get the vaccine, good on you. Just don't mandate it. Well, don't be mandating electric vehicles because some of us may want to drive. I got family in Michigan. I may want to drive to Michigan to see them, and I don't want range anxiety. Thank you very much. (laughs) But so charging stations are going in around the nation. Big doings. Charging stations. Private sector getting on board, putting in their charging stations at major truck stops and other installations. But what about public charging stations? Should we be funding that? Is that, is that a thing? We don't have public gas stations? It says, But this article says the business case for public charging services is poor. Because most charging is done at home, public charger utilization rates then are low, and fast DC chargers that are needed for public charge points are expensive. 
Most studies find that charging stations cannot pay for themselves over a 10-year period. Wow. So what's happening there, I guarantee you, is some of those folks that are putting charging stations in their private sector, their places like Love's and Pilot and all that, they're banking on the idea that while you're having to sit there for a half an hour to get a quick charge, that you're going to go inside and buy some food. You're going to go inside and, you know, and, um, and, and pick up some other merchandise, and they're going to make their money back. It's kind of like a movie theater. Movie theaters don't make their money on the movie. They make their money at the concession stand, truthfully. That's what they're banking on, I guarantee you, right here. But here's the deal. The article says, let's compare a traditional gas pump to a fast DC charger. A gas station fuel pump costs about 20000 and it can service a customer in less than six minutes. A 50-kilowatt fast DC charger costs about 100000 and it can serve an EV customer in about 30 minutes. Ooh. And the pump can serve five times as many customers for one-fifth of the capital cost of a high-speed charger. So, so they're going to push us to this EV mode. Everybody, it's all, it's the way to go. We're going to all be EV. And then when you go on a trip, what, are you going to pull up and there's going to be like 900? How many, how many charging stations are they going to have at Bucky's? I'm just wondering. Right, right. Uh, is Bucky's going on this train? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But you know what? They bring up a point here, though. I'd never thought of this. Charging, it says, is problematic for residents of multi-unit. I hadn't thought of this. Oh. What do you do if you live in an apartment building? You don't have your own garage to put your charger in. Or your own parking spot, usually. Or your own parking spot. So if you have to charge, where are you, where are you putting this charge? And oh, by the way, it says there's also a problem with the fact that these, these charging stations, thieves pirate them for copper wire all the time. And so if you come outside in the morning, you live in an apartment, you pay good rent to be there, you've got your EV because you're a good little green policy person, and you've got your EV now, and you live in an apartment, and they were good enough to put in your charging stations for you, and you come out the next morning, and someone's stolen the copper wire out of it. How do you get to work? I'm just saying. Ooh. I mean, that's a... Ooh. This whole Ooh. thing's a mess. Um, anyway, and who mess. wants to wait half an hour just to get <sighs> fueled up again? I mean, so you so if, if, we, if we took our 12-hour drive to see family in Michigan, right, you can imagine that we're going to stop for gas several times along the way. So we do. We've got it kind of mapped out. We know where it is. And so we know we're going to stop at least twice just for gas in route. Um, but it's still a 12-hour drive. We can, we can gut it out. You know, we can, we can say, we're, we're just going to gas up and keep moving. You know, but me, I like to stretch my legs once in a while. But nonetheless, 12 hours. If you're having to do these EVs every 300 miles, you're looking at probably having to stop at least three or four times to charge up and add upwards of an hour to two hours to your trip just to stay charged along the way. Well, yeah, and then doesn't the mileage go down the more you pile in a car, the more the weight? I would imagine. So I mean, it does with a gas vehicle. Exactly. Yeah, you're towing a trailer. Good luck. But, all right. Man. Okay. It, it, are, are they paying for the, the recharge? Who? The consumer? I would think so. That's okay. the other piece. That's, they, that's what I was wondering. I mean, how are they, they charge paying? for this? I how do know. they charge for it? I, that's a that's a curious question. I'm interested. I'm All there. right. Next one I got in Adventures in Woke World. So, headline here on Fox News dated two days ago: As woke curriculum increases, classical education booms. So this is I find this to be interesting. So as we're looking at things like woke education and curriculum being questionable, and is critical race theory in my school is what's happening on college campuses? Well, there are some classical educations 
opportunities like Hillsdale College. Hillsdale College literally had a 53% increase in applications uh, in 2022. 53% more applications wanting to come to a place where people could trust, literally trust that the education was going to actually be an education. Says the story of American higher ed really for the past half century has been a story of one college after another trashing any kind of a serious core curriculum. And, and, and it goes on to say that like even in State University of New York, all new students to take courses had to relate, had to have coursework in social justice and diversity and equity and inclusion. Um, this is this is a problem. And if you want a classical education, you got to know where you're going. And, and places like Hillsdale College are seeing massive increases in applications. That's that's just cool. We'll see. I, I hope I hope I hope Hillsdale and the few others like them can maintain that status of a classical conservative based accurate education because it's it's needed we're gonna need them more than ever we got a caller on the line bud we do oh is that jeff jeff from indiana what are you doing man i'm getting ready to cross into kentucky man <laughs> oh man you made some time today yeah i'm moving right along today well so I almost feel like <laughs> huh? oh, that's what's on your mind well well you you keep talking about these electric cars and everything and don't have no way to charge them i didn't gave you the answer a long time ago we need to you know, you you need to be the, uh, I guess the uh, right side radio might be a, a, like a Shark Tank or whatever. You know, I've I've got an invention here that you need to invest into. What the little Voltagra, yeah. the little blue generator? <laughs> It'll take you down the road. It'll get you to Michigan if you need to, man. <laughs> Does it? Is it come prescription only in a, in a plain brown wrapper and mailed to your house? Well, yeah, it could be, but uh, <laughs> you, you know, you know, it's, it sounds funny, but uh, for these EV cars and everything, uh, they might have to take a, a Reese's hitch or whatever, and and design a generator that's able to put out the DC um, uh, is what these cars need to to uh, charge, and uh, you know, hey. What's it going to take to make an ideal? What's it going to take to get? Uh, I mean, you're you're a long haul driver. What's it going to take to get your truck uh, electrified? And then how how often would you have to stop and charge that thing on your route? Uh, let's see. To get me electrified and everything, it's going to cost uh, probably going to cost the nation basically. Yeah. Because it ain't going to happen. <laughs> you're going to you're going to. We've already screwed up enough things. Let's don't screw up anything else. <laughs> oh, this 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 saga continues to unfold, man. I tell you what, it's just it's unbelievable. Um, all right, brother. Hey, appreciate your call, Jeff. We got to head to a break right now, man. Have a good one. Have Bill. a good one, buddy. All right, take us to a break, Boomer. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back. I'm not done with this. I got more. I got a stack of wokeisms. Oh my gosh, and I got one too that just really bothers me. Um, like, why is our government? conducting hormone transgender treatments on kids. I'll tell you about it. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Um, Boomer, what was that text you had a moment ago? That uh, Oh. Came, who was that? <laughs> it was when we were talking about um, electric vehicles. Uh, yeah. It was Ben from Decatur sending a meme, and it was he said, you know, 90% of all electric vehicles are still on the road today. The other 10% made it all the way home. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh. And it's like a little cat driving. That's a hilarious. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Oh, we got some first time textures on the line there too. Boom. I see yep. some at the very top up there. So um we'll see who they are here in just one second. Um so so I got a, I got some more woke stories and and then you know I'm gonna be honest with you. Sometimes I look at these woke stories and I roll my eyes. Sometimes I laugh. Sometimes I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And every once in a while, though, there's one that just kind of makes me angry and even sad at the same time. And that's this one. Um, I'm not going to kid you. This is a serious story. As I dated yesterday from Red State, headline, you ready for this? Headline, National Institutes of Health, that's your state, that's your taxpayer-funded National Institute of Health, used hormones on trans-identifying youth during a study and two of them committed suicide. Should not be happening on the taxpayer dime. Should not. So the National Institutes of Health funded a new study published in the New England Journal of Medicine in which researchers studied the impact of using experimental hormones on children exhibiting symptoms of gender dysphoria. The study published on January 19th followed transgender identifying youth over two years using hormone treatments. It examined 315 people between the ages of 12 and 20. 12 and 20 each one identifying as either transgender or non-binary. One of the objectives was a study that determined the impact of hormonal treatments on the mental health of young people. Regrettably, two of the young research subjects ended up taking their own lives later on. Um, mm, 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 mm. The interesting piece here, though, aside from that, the, the deep sadness and in the, in the, in the loss of those two kids, says the article is littered with gender euphemisms, dense technical medical language, which provides these gender ideologue doctors with a seemingly sophisticated cover as if we don't know what they're doing, which the article says is conducting heinous medical experiments on children. At what point does society say, stop it? Y'all, I'm going to tell you right now, we, we have laws to protect kids on the books right now, and yet this happens. We have laws to protect kids from abuse, we have laws to protect kids from the sexual predators out there who, who want kids. We have laws that say that statutory rape is what it is. because It's statutory because a child is considered to be um, incapable of consenting to sexual relations with an adult, so therefore we put it in there that the age matters. We won't let them drink till they reach a certain age. They can't join the military till a certain age. They can't drive till a certain age. They can't vote till a certain age. But we can experiment on them with these transgender therapies even to the extent that two of them commit suicide, and then write a study about it, which it says, um, it literally says on page 245 of the study, these two tragic suicides are casually documented, reduced to mere, quote, adverse events. These were young people who were being experimented on and died by suicide, and all they can say is just, oops. It goes on to say, too, that the study, this is only the first part of the study. The researchers are going to be reporting back more data at a later time, and they came in with a skewed view. They came in with these, the view that they were going to, um, uh, under the hypothesis that patients treated with gender-affirming hormones will exhibit decreased symptoms of anxiety and depression. And it says that there's going to be additional studies coming under this funding. 
says, indeed, according to a document uncovered by a FOIA request, the National Institutes of Health will be funding the study through January of 2026 and providing over $10.6 million to the study. Mm. That's just, that's woke world, but that just feels like the end of the world, if you ask me. And, and it certainly, apparently it was for a couple of kids, at least, at least a couple, at least a couple. Um, shouldn't be that way. Should, should not be that way. Uh, lastly, I, uh, last couple of things I'll say here. Number one, does anybody watch the Grammys anymore? Anybody? Does anybody? I don't know anybody that watches the Grammys. Boomer, did you watch the Grammys last night? I did not watch it last night, but I heard about it. Yeah. How could you not? I mean, oh. so this was the most, I mean, this, there, there was no, it was, it was intended to be a satanic ritual. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, that looks creepy. No. It wasn't like, well, I think there's some illusion going on. No. It was intended. It's a extremely gross, just awful individual, a guy named Sam Smith, who I guess got a Grammy, who apparently, I never heard of this guy, but he does all kinds of BDSM, you know, sexual content, and he has a new single called Unholy. And so what did he do? He, casting in red light and wearing horns, he got up there and had ritualistic dances around him with, and according to the article here from Red State, says the shock value is wearing off on all this stuff. His performance had all the cliches, red lights, pyrotechnics, BDSM, twerking, half-naked people, devilish imagery. And then he goes on to say, though, that that's the Grammy Awards. And that's why people won't watch this crap anymore. Because it's not art. It's not edgy. It's not art. Mm -mm. It's literally like saying, we're mocking your faith. Woke, woke world does not even see itself anymore. The very idea that it's okay for you to just mock our faith by doing this. Now, granted, you're allowed your freedom of speech, but why this is called art, I don't know. I guarantee you someone somewhere is helping fund this, and they're like, this is cool. And oh, by the way, the interesting piece at the end of that segment, it went to break. Guess who the sponsor was? Pfizer! Oh, I did see that. Yeah. Someone, someone like posted about that. Yeah. In fact, Ted Cruz posted about that and said, apparently Pfizer is taking the whole truth and advertising thing pretty literally. Hmm. Meaning that Pfizer is of the devil is what he was trying to say. Yeah. Oh. All right. I got some other stories that were a little lighter in nature, but I'm not even going to get to them. We're going to switch gears when we get back and go to Balloon Magic, number three on the Triple Dipper, and talk about what may be happening or not happening in the State of the Union tonight. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.
And we're back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hey, folks, before we go any further, I got to tell you, ZLA Solutions, oh, man, they've been with us since the show began. They, 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 they have literally, they were the, the, one of the very first to jump on board and wanted to advertise here on, on, on Right Side, and they've stayed with us ever since. And they are having an amazing track record right now of, of getting people and jobs put back together. So if you're looking for a job yourself, you can go to their website, ZLAUSA.com. Check them out. they got good-paying jobs all over uh, the northern part of the state that, that you might want to tag into. Uh, good, good jobs, a lot of them with benefits. So there's that. But if you're an employer and you need to fill out the ranks of your workforce, I ain't kidding, man. They, they, they can do a lot of things for your business. They have all kinds of business case solutions they work on. But their bread and butter is staffing, direct and temp hire. Uh, they can they can do the you know blue collar white collar no collar don't matter to them they'll do all the recruiting the background checks the drug testing all of it ZLA Solutions is good at what they do they like to say at ZLA we don't make it we just make it better which they do that is their mission in life is to help you make your business better and they'll find those people for you onesies and twosies are a whole shift full you you call them you you check them out here's their website zlausa.com and do me a favor tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. All right, so tonight's the State of the Union address. Oh, I know. It, I know. Um, and, uh, and by the way, there's that cartoon up on the screen, Boomer. That's so, Oh, they just, you missed it. They were showing that cartoon that I was talking about from Disney+. Plus. Anyway, tonight's the State of the Union address, which is a cartoon in itself. Um, and it's going to be interesting. Because right now, the specter hanging over Biden's head is what the past week was like. By the way, the past month was not easy for the Biden administration. They're going to try and say, we had the best jobs report in the history of jobs reports, sort of. Um, but they also had the whole classified documents, you know, debacle. Uh, they had ongoing issues with um, watching the, the, the loss of uh, uh, the control of the House. Uh, and now they, they've got, you know, Speaker McCarthy in there with a group of Republicans that they don't want to have to deal with. They've got ongoing calls for investigations into Hunter Biden and the Biden administration and, you know, all of it. And then at the same time, there's the balloon. The balloon. Oh, boy. Yeah, the balloon, which, by the way, I did not know this. And, I, and I, I, it's just, you know, part of me is like, oh, really? But, you know, they took down the balloon this past weekend, Boomer, with an F-22 Raptor. Yeah. Do you know that was the very first ever air-to-air takedown of anything by an F-22 Raptor, and it was a stationary balloon? What really? A, what a waste of firepower. That just seemed wow. now that had to be taken down. So I'm right. not I'm not faulting that. And it didn't whoever gets the call, it doesn't matter the F sixteens or you know, whatever is but anyway, F twenty two Raptor. Uh and I could be wrong. Somebody can correct me if they want to, but my understanding is this is the first time that an F twenty two has fired a shot in anger at something else in the air and downed it and it was just a balloon. So you mm. kinda hate to see the you know, the multi-billion dollar project to build the F-22 most advanced fighter in the history of the world. And it shoots down the balloon the first time. Um, that being said, that balloon shouldn't have been there. Should not have been there. And, and let's, let's, let's not kid ourselves into thinking. And by the way, if you're one of the apologists who's like, it was just a balloon. There was not a great threat. Yes, there was. And oh, by the way, it's a poke in the eye. You don't just have your near peer adversary, you know, the, the ones that are that are that are basically your top competition in the world. You don't just have them sail a 200 foot balloon carrying a multi thousand pound payload 
across your multiple military sensitive sites and expect it to just be okay. And by the way, here's a deal. Daily Wire has a piece that says, dated two days ago, a third Chinese spy balloon has likely been discovered by U.S. officials who don't yet reveal its location. Daily Wire says U.S. officials reportedly believe they have identified a third Chinese spy balloon that is likely operating in the air right now but did not reveal its location. The news comes after the U.S. military used an F-22 to take out a Chinese spy balloon off the coast of South Carolina. Got it. Washington Post reports U.S. officials believe that there is, quote, likely a third operating elsewhere without giving the location. A second Chinese spy balloon has already been detected over South America, which has been confirmed, by the way, now by the Pentagon. Pentagon spokesperson Brigadier General Pat Ryder said, we are seeing reports of a balloon transiting Latin America. We now assess it as another Chinese surveillance balloon. The, 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 the maddening language you get sometimes out of bureaucracy is when they try to say something in a fancy way, and, and they could have said it a whole lot easier. But the fancy way this has been described now by the former commander of NORAD is that we have now identified what he called a domain awareness gap. You know what that means? We didn't see it. It got by us. We have now assessed a domain awareness gap. The thing that I said the other day on the show appears to be coming true is that China has been using these very low-tech but high-res possibilities with balloons because they were traveling slow, ponderously, and somewhat masked without a heat signature, and they were making it through our early warning systems without detection. And so now that's been confirmed by the magical language of the Pentagon, a domain awareness gap. Well, there you have it. So now we get to wonder, how many more have there been? Boomer and I were looking at the screen earlier. What was it, 10? They, had, they, had, they have now assessed that some of what they saw as strange sightings in the past may have actually been additional Chinese balloons. Mm. Was it, is it 10 of them they had it, up there? It looked like 10 earlier when they were showing it on, up on the screens. Yeah, and there's no way of proving it now because they've already you know, gone on. But now they're, looking, now they're, now they're searching back and, and assessing prior reporting as, oh, wait a minute, that, that may have been one too. So how many times have they flown over and just launched these huge payload-carrying balloons over our sovereign territory and our sensitive sites and just, you know, went with a domain awareness gap? That um, Well, that's going to change the way we have to look at things now. Uh, I got a caller on line one. I'll grab that real quick. Uh, is that Mike? Mike from Huntsville. How you doing, man? Yeah. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, sir. Hey, listen, you're, uh, there's a big point that's being missed here. It's like two of them or three. Okay. What you have right now, you use an F-22 Raptor with a Sidewinder missile to destroy the evidence. You let it go all the way across the country when they could have taken it down early when they knew about it. They, now, they spotted this one. It's huge. <laughs> it had a cargo door on it, and the thing could deliver an EMP, right? You would think. Yeah, I, I mentioned that the other day that I, I thought, what about a great way to carry an EMP across the country? Yeah. And so what you have is you've got um, Milley, who says, General Milley, who says that China's not our enemy. You have the Pentagon, who's downplaying the entire thing. They're not calling it a spy balloon. They're just calling it a surveillance balloon. Okay. It's like the, everything they do in the word process ends up being, you know, milk toast when it comes to China. But, but if you wa- ever watch Milley's speech about China, he said, oh, they're just an economic power that's on the rise. They're going to be our buddies. 
Did you ever see that speech? Uh, I haven't seen him call them our buddies, but I did say hear him say they were not no, our enemies. No, well, you know, I mean, yeah, he said they weren't our enemies, and right. then on the economic forum, they're going to be a great asset. Well, it, it, and it, this is the same guy who called behind Trump's back, right? Well, I, I look so, at it too, point, and, and even point. more than Millie, Mike, I look at it and think the Biden administration is the one who's more co-opted in all this. No, I agree, but but what I'm saying, you know what a skyhook is, right? Where you, sure. you hook up yeah. with tankers. Okay. Well, why didn't they just drag it down? I, I don't have an answer Instead for you. Blowing it. I, I, yeah, well, I, yeah, because because they were getting rid of the evidence because it was probably a pretty serious operation, and and, and I don't think it's that low tech. And I don't know that they I don't know if they could have dragged it down, but I think they could have brought it down slower and easier, and so that it wouldn't have destroyed the evidence or buried it in water. Oh, well, exactly. But they, I bet you, well, they did the same thing in Afghanistan when they had surveillance balloons. They dragged them down with hooks. Same well, thing, they inflated it. Or they could have used a machine gun and just shot it down, shot or let the air out of it. Well, you know, and, and, and I think I think there's more answers that, that need to be brought out that we, we haven't even had a chance to even ask all the questions yet. But, hey, uh, Mike, I got another caller on line, too. Yeah. I got to jump to before okay. I get the break, man. Wait. Thanks for the call. All right. No problem. Um, Thanks, Mike. Uh, has he got a caller on line, too, there, Boom? We do. Is that Barbara? Barbara from Athens. How you doing? Yes. Hi. How are you? Uh, yeah, I just, I'm doing good. Doing good. I just wanted to bring up, you know, one of the reasons that they might not have taken it down over the Aleutians is because of BRAC. They closed down ADAC Alaska. Well, we still have early warning systems and we have the capability of flying an F-22 to Alaska, don't we? I don't know. I've been out of the Navy a long time. <laughs> I appreciate your service. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I get it. I mean, that's that's probably one of the more remote patches of U.S. territory anywhere in the world. But but I, yeah. I still think they can get capabilities there to bring it down as soon as they know it's there. I just I just wonder why they didn't. Well, I, I would hope. Yeah. But I mean, they closed down so many bases. I I don't know. There's only there's only 24 people left on ADAC. Oh wow! Wow. That's a heck of an assignment. <laughs> You're one of 24 people. <laughs> um, uh, the Bisto military, they turned it over to the Aleuts. Okay. They closed it. Okay. It was part of BRAC. Wait, were, you, were, you, were you stationed out there at some point? Yeah, I was there for two years. Wow. That's got to be a remote duty. Yeah, very, very. <laughs> not, not a lot of choices to go out to eat on a Friday night, I guess, when you were stationed there, huh? Uh, there wasn't. Although they did move in a McDonald's after I left. How about that? <laughs> hey, Barbara, yeah. thanks. Thanks for your service. Thanks for the call. I got I got one more caller, I think, on the line. So thank you very much. Thank you. All Bye-bye. right. Boomer, you got line three? Not no? yet. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I haven't got there yet. Oh. But I have a question. All right. Who would want anything like surveillance? That's what they're playing it off as, right? right. Sur- surveillance. Right. Would you want your neighbor to fly a surveillance balloon over your house? No. That's exactly, that's a good point. If you're sitting there at the poolside and your neighbor's drone comes over to spy on your little girl while she's playing in the pool, does that offend it, you? Yes. Yeah. It's, a, it's an invasion of your privacy. It's an invasion of your sovereignty. And, and yeah, you don't, you, don't wanna, you don't want somebody peeping in your window. No. Um, I mean, that's fighting words, right? That's fighting words right there. All right. Oh, man. All right, yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, Boomer, do we take a break before the call, or what are we going to do? All right, let's take a break right now. We'll come right back and wrap up the day as we prep our way towards the State of the Union. Oh, Lord. You, you wonder, what's he going to say about this balloon? And right now, the last report I had was, we understand he's going to make a brief passing comment. Really? One of the biggest international incidents in his term is going to get a passing comment? Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid conservative, just plain right. Just love coffee cafe. Let me let me jump on that for a second. Because it's go-home time, y'all. Some of you are thinking, okay, back tomorrow, do I bring the sandwich with me? Got the ham sandwich tucked into the bag. You going to bring it to lunch? Let me give you an idea. Just a thought. Just Love Coffee Cafe is way more than coffee. Do they have great coffee? Oh, but yes, they do. They have what Charlene calls the treat coffees, the, you know, the espressos, the lattes, the cappuccinos. But they also have award-winning dry roast. They can grind the beans fresh, make some light, medium, or dark roast coffee. Good stuff. But they've also got a crazy cool menu. They've got sandwiches. They've got wraps. They've got salads. They've got soups. They've got all kinds of... Just Love Coffee Cafe is as much an eatery as it is a coffeeery. Is that coffeeery? Coffeeery? Coffee shop. Okay. But all that to say... You might want to think that think of that as your break tomorrow. Maybe you're going to go take lunch. By the way, if you're one of those remote workers, take the laptop with you because they got the Wi-Fi and they got places set up for you to work while you're there. But enjoy a menu that is different than any drive-through or ham sandwich in a bag that you could have for lunch. I'm just saying, Just Love Coffee Cafe is so worth the time. Two locations in our listening area: one on Hughes Road out in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And they can both accommodate you for lunch. And it is, it, is, it is absolutely worth it. I encourage you to do it. And when you're checking out of the counter, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Because they tell me all the time. They get folks come in and say, hey, we had another one of your listeners coming in. So thank you for that. Do it again. Tell them you heard it on Right Side Radio. Just love Coffee Cafe. All right. So let me, um, let me jump over to the text line. I, I got I to tell you, we got some amazing texters. So some of the stuff is harkening back because the text lines have been blown up, Boomer. What are we going to do, man? If we keep if we keep adding hundreds more to the text line, it's like the show could be all texting. We just, <laughs> just, we just, go, one just day, keep going through yeah, it. Yeah, just one like, day wow. all we do is read text. Read text. <laughs> uh, eventually we'll have somebody that can just flash up the text on the screens. That's that's a cool idea. Yeah. All right. Ain't no telling what kind of technology Boomer's going to dream up for the studio <laughs> next. But um, so with regards to the uh, story earlier about the uh, transgender guy who is now the head of the Women's Democrat Caucus in Rhode Island, oh, yeah, who is guy. also a pastor at a United Church of Christ. I just had somebody text in Brad from Limestone County. I won't say what his church name is, but he says as a member of a and he named the Church of Christ in Athens. He said, let me be the first to point out that a so-called United Church of Christ is not Church of Christ. So he wants to make sure that there's a differentiation there. His, his denomination is not represented in that story. Mm. Um, he says, case in point, the church in Chicago where Barack Obama and his crazy uncle, Jeremiah Wright, were, was a United Church of Christ. In other words, it's entirely different. Okay, uh, Brad, appreciate you, man. Thanks for defending your denomination, and uh, point well taken. Uh, Bob from Decatur says, hey, guys, do you think Brandon will have, oh, that's the president, Brandon will have that demonic red background behind him tonight when he tells us how good the economy and our security is. That's, you know mm. what, that's, uh, he better not. He's in, the, he's in the Capitol. I don't think he's going to. Uh, Michael from Taft, is Taft, Tennessee, is ready to boycott Disney. Uh, Bill from uh, Huntsville says, uh, once Biden's pipe dreams of EV cars becomes reality, you're going to see billboards pop up all over Alabama. <laughs> he has a picture of Alexander <laughs> Shannara saying, do you have range anxiety? Call me, Alabama. <laughs> uh Man from Harvest said, state of confusion addresses on tonight. Uh, Dwight from Decatur, with regards to the, 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 the liberal mantra about that whole the Disney cartoon saying that you know Lincoln didn't free the slaves because you cannot be freed by a person only yourself can free yourself says if you can't be freed by someone then you can't be enslaved by someone oh 
Mm. That's interesting. That's one of those things that makes you go, hmm. Mm. James from Harvest. Was that a little bitty hmm from you over there? That was a little hmm. <laughs> hmm. James from Harvest says, an apartment complex that we do work for has about 400 residents. They just installed one, I mean one, charging station. He says, imagine that. That's, that's going to go over well. <laughs> That'll go over real well. Yeah. yeah. You're always hogging the station. Move out of the way. And the next thing you know. It's my turn. By the way, what's going to happen? Let me ask you this, Boom. Okay. What do you think is going to happen when the charging stations, let's say there's you have an apartment complex, 400 residents, and you have 10 stations, or whatever the case may be. And there's somebody who's parked there getting charged up. They come out the next morning and found out somebody else was mad, pulled up on the sidewalk in front of them, unplugged their car and plugged, plugged it in for themselves, and you have no charge to get to work. Oh, that'll totally happen. That'll totally happen. Because it, you can just pull it right out. There's no, I don't think there's like a lock that you can put on it. They're going to have to come up with a way to lock it so uh-huh. no one, no one can, can make you, you know, can, can steal your charge. Right. Because that's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. I Pe- would keep like an extension cord in my car if I had to and then... <laughs> And then you're going to have people out there trying to guard their car. Oh. And then you're going to have fights. <laughs> it's just going to, yeah, it's just going to blow out of Oh, proportion. my gosh. Um, we got uh, John from Brownsboro says, um, look up the guy. I remember this. Remember this one? Look up the guy who broke out the back window of his car, put a gas generator on the back deck to charge up his Tesla while he was driving on the road. I did see that. And he had to maintain a speed of 50 miles per hour. He wouldn't be able to get a charge. Um uh, new guy on the line, Tim from Florence, actually works in the Cherokee area. We appreciate you being on the line. Thank you much. Uh, then uh, what we got here, Ben from Decatur, looking forward to your show tomorrow for all the cliff notes on the State of the Union. <laughs> <laughs> he said watching is going to be like paint dry. I just Charlene's going to Charlene's going to say you're not going to make me watch that tonight, are you? We'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Hey, by the way, I got to tell you, um, one of the best interviews we've had in a while was yesterday. And I encourage you, go to the podcast, because we've got new podcasts. Boomer and his lovely bride, McQueen, have their podcast out mm-hmm. now called The Right Life, which right. you're going to want to see. And then yesterday, we're to, we took the show every day and we podcast it out. But yesterday, we had a great interview with Cliff Sims. Oh, yeah. Who used to be the deputy director of national intelligence. And prior to that, he was Trump's uh, campaign uh, messaging strategy guy. And so he, he literally spoke directly to the issue of this balloon. You, if you haven't heard it, you need to go back and grab that. And by the way, subscribe to our podcast. Be one of the 113,000 or so that downloads. All right, folks. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will be back here tomorrow at 2 and talk then. See you then. Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.